Welcome to the Bible in Our Culture, an outreach radio ministry of Liberty Remnant Church, where we encourage you to view the culture through the lens of the Holy Bible. Welcome once again to the Bible and Our Culture. I am Pastor J. McPherson. This is an outreach ministry of Liberty Remnant Church. We've been talking about how to take the land, how to make a difference in our world, in our culture. And last time we talked about Acts 1-8, being a witness of Jesus in every scope that he leads us to. And shared how a lot of preachers today, they have advice on how not to share Jesus with people. Don't do it this way. Don't do it that way. This is how you shouldn't do it. And I feel like we don't hear enough of how to do it. And really, there is no real how. Certainly, there's methods, some outlines that can be useful tools. But the main thing is, you love Jesus, you love people, and you share your testimony. Everybody that's come to Jesus has a testimony of how he revealed themselves to him, how they were changed, how they know they're going to heaven, how they know their sins are forgiven. Share your testimony. Everybody's got a different one. I have mine, you have yours. The key is that you're authentic. I shared last week about evangelist D.L. Moody, who's doing a bunch of outreach ministry in Chicago. And one of the ways I understood that he got kids to come to Sunday, or excuse me, Saturday Bible school was he gave them candy as a reward for coming. Well, somebody was critical of that. Hey, you can't give kids candy. It'll give them cavities, ruin their appetite, all sorts of stuff. They were critical in general of how he was doing evangelism. He says, you know, I've often wondered if this is the best way. How do you do it? And the people who were critical of him were kind of stumped. Oh, uh, what do you mean? We, uh, well, we, we don't really do it. To which he replied, I like my way of doing it better than your way of not doing it. That is how we have to approach sharing our faith, sharing our testimony is your way of doing it is better than all the other people's being critical about how not to do it. Paul stumbled upon something like this, I think, in Philippians 1. He was having uh, people inform him that other people were preaching the gospel to spite him. I don't know how they did that, but his reply in verse 15 of chapter 1 of Philippians says, Some indeed preach Christ even from envy and strife, and some also from goodwill. The former preach Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my chains, but the latter out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and in this I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice. Paul was just excited that people were preaching the gospel. Now, he isn't encouraging people to preach Christ with wrong motives. He's not saying it's okay to have selfish ambition. It's okay to have envy and strife. He's not saying that. He's not saying that God didn't care about your heart and your character. But what he's saying is, whatever the case, I rejoice that they preach Christ. Basically, their way of doing it is better than not doing it at all which I think is the opposite of how many Christians feel today. A lot of Christians today are like, don't put me in the game, coach. I might make a mistake and embarrass everyone. Don't put me in. I grew up in a Christian school, small ones. And when I was in sixth grade, the high school basketball coach saw that I liked basketball. And so he wanted me to play with the high school boys. (laughs) I'm a sixth grade kid playing with all these high schoolers. I was freaked out my whole sixth grade season. I sat on the bench constantly hoping that I would not get put in the game. 
And if I did have the misfortune of actually being put in the game, I was hoping that nobody would throw me the ball. Because if I had the ball, everybody would be looking at me, and what if I messed up? Same with my seventh grade year. Started off that same way, playing on the high school team and hoping I didn't get put in the game. But eventually, by the end of my seventh grade year, I got a little more comfortable on the court. But I feel like there's a lot of Christians who were like me on sixth grade. Please don't put me in the game, coach. If I do, I could make a mistake and I'll embarrass everyone. I'll embarrass the team, the school, embarrass my family, embarrass myself. Don't put me in the game. That's not going to work, people. We've, we've got to be able to say, I want to find an opportunity to share my testimony. I'm ready to be put in the game. I might not win, but I'm going to compete. That's the mindset that we have to have. There's some movies that have come out lately that are ways of sharing the gospel. And guess what? People are critical of it. They're saying, this is how you don't want to share the gospel. I'm, a lot of times I'm sort of like, well, hey, their way of sharing the gospel on the big screen is better than your way of not sharing the gospel. There's a balance there. There's some things that go across as evangelism that I think are really in error. I think they're maybe even demonically inspired, trying to tell people that Jesus doesn't care if you repent. Jesus is on your side. He's going to reinforce what you already think. That's not the gospel. But there's a lot of people that are that are sharing the faith, and, and Christians are some of the most critical of them, saying, well, you shouldn't do it this way, do it that way. Well, unless you're leading people to Jesus on a regular basis, I advise that you don't be critical. Last week, we shared Luke 9, where Jesus sent out the 12 on a mission trip. Well, the next chapter, Luke 10, verses 1 through 12, he says that the Lord appointed 70 others also and sent them two by two before his face in every city and place where he himself was about to go. Then he said to them, The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I send you out as lambs among wolves. Wow, that's quite a pep talk there. Down in verse 10, he says, But whatever city you enter and they do not receive you, go out into the streets and say, The very dust of your city which clings to us, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near you. Jesus said, But I say to you that it will be far more tolerable in the day of Sodom than for that city. And he goes on to encourage them about what they're about to do. In verse 16, he says, He who hears you hears me. And he who rejects you rejects me, and he who rejects me rejects him who sent me. Basically, Jesus is saying, I got your back. Which is kind of important that he make that clear, because in verse 3, he said, I send you out as lambs among wolves. Really? Basically, we are bait. (laughs) We're the bait. How many times do you see a lamb rise up and defend a wolf that attacks him? They don't. So I think when Jesus is saying this, even though he's given them power and authority, he's also saying it's expected that you're going to be rejected. It's expected that people are going to attack you. It's natural and expected. That's what happens when you send a lamb to a bunch of wolves. They're going to get attacked. And lambs don't have any thought to defend themselves. They're not out there to mount their superhero lamb powers and take on all these carnivorous wolves. Their only defense is what? The shepherd. They have no defense themselves. So Jesus sends us, I believe, out into the harvest field where we don't look to defend ourselves. We expect to get attacked, but he's got our back. 
He who hears you, he said in verse 16, hears me, and whoever rejects you rejects me. Jesus is looking to give rewards to his children, and if you share your faith with somebody and and they get saved, great reward. And if you share your faith with somebody and they attack you, insult you, I think you're going to get a reward either way. Bible promises that you will. God likes to reward his people. He's looking for ways to do it. So let's stand up. He says the harvest is great, but the laborers are few. He calls it his harvest. Jesus isn't concerned about whether the harvest is ripe, but if there are enough laborers. Wow. I think today's harvest is ripe. What happens when a crop remains ripe and people don't harvest it? It begins to rot. We have a cherry tree in our backyard that we don't take the time to spray for worms or whatever. So we don't want to eat them. Most of them got worms in them. And then they ripen this time of year and fall to the ground. And critters come and eat them and draws all these critters to our lawn. And bees love it. So they come and you can't hardly walk underneath our cherry tree this time of year without getting stung because of all the rotten cherries that have fallen from the tree. Nobody harvested the cherries, so they rotted. Same thing in our front yard. We have a plum tree that we don't really harvest. They're good plums. I don't know why we don't harvest them, but we forget, and they rot and create a mess. Well, I think that's typical of our society. We look at what's happening all around America and the gross injustice and the bizarre trains of thought that people have. It's so dysfunctional. Our society is dysfunctional. But is it dysfunctional because we've had a rotting harvest? I think so. I think much of the dysfunction in our society today is because of a rotting harvest. People are desperate for purpose. People are desperate for truth. People are desperate to know they're loved and they belong. And we ain't telling them. So what do they do? Well, they look for drugs and sex and they don't feel like they matter, so they're desperate, so they, they do crazy things. They decide they don't want to be a boy anymore, even though they've been a boy for eight years. At nine, they decide they want to be a girl because nobody loves them, and they're so desperate for attention that they'll gladly gamble and say, well, maybe I'll be accepted. Maybe life will be better if I was just in a different body, if I was just a different gender. It makes no sense, but it shows that the dysfunctionality of the human heart, apart from Jesus... Boy, somebody should tell those people. Yeah, it's you and me, the ecclesia, the called out ones. It's our job to tell. Matthew 10, 32 and 33 makes sharing your faith not sales. It makes it very personal. Jesus said, therefore, whoever confesses me before men, him I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, him I also will deny before before my Father who is in heaven. Wow. Jesus says it's personal. If you pretend you don't know me, then I'm going to pretend I don't know you. That makes a lot of sense to me. What if I were to go to the store with my wife and she were to tell me, oh, hey, would you wait to come in the store about five minutes and make sure you stay at least 20 feet from me? I don't want anybody to know we're together. (laughs) I'd be like, hey, now, you don't want anybody to know that we know each other, that we're married, that we love each other? You want to keep that a secret? Well, I'd be ticked. I'd be hurt. Well, Jesus, kind of along those same lines, hey, if you pretend you don't know me, when I'm wanting you to share me with others, and 
how am I going to want to share you before my father in heaven if you deny me? Basically, the, the, the blade cuts both ways. So it's not merely the sales department of Christianity. Sharing your faith is very personal. It's about how much you love somebody, how much you love Jesus, how much you love the lost. Man, when I was first engaged to my wife, I wanted to tell everybody how we got engaged, how I proposed, how we met. I mean, I was talking all the time. I love to talk about my girlfriend, my fiance, now my wife. And it's kind of the same thing with us and Jesus. We should be in a place where we so love him and so proud of what he's done in our life that we want to tell everybody. And if we love those people, we especially want to tell them because we don't want them to go to hell. Very simple. 2 Corinthians 2.17 says, For we are not as so many peddling the word of God, but as of sincerity, but as from God we speak in the sight of God in Christ. So we're not peddling. We're not salesmen. We're not pushing our political agenda. We're pushing the word of God as from God and in the sight of God. We want to tell everybody the truth of God's word. Earlier in that passage in 2 Corinthians 2, Paul's saying, hey, we're the fragrance of Christ one way or the other. We're either the fragrance of, of pleasant aroma or we're the fragrance of death to some. In other words, those who are hungry and open and ready, they're going to love the odor that we have. We have the fragrance of Christ. But those who are arrogant and stubborn and self-willed, they're not going to want to hear us talk about Jesus. We're the aroma of death to them. Either way, we share Christ. Hello, my name is Pastor J. McPherson of Liberty Remnant Church. I would like to formally invite you to come visit our reality-based local church. A dedicated group of believers planted LRC about two years ago in the middle of the COVID-19 government shutdown. We are not afraid to apply biblical principles to weighty current day issues. In fact, we feel God expects it of his people. Our goal is to be a simple, relational, biblical church that applies biblical principles to the issues of the day. If you're looking for a local church or know somebody who is, please consider what God is doing at Liberty Remnant Church. We're meeting at 7919 North Division in Spokane every Sunday at 10 a.m. For more information, please check out our website, libertyremnantchurch.org. That's libertyremnantchurch.org. Or email me at pastorj at libertyremnantchurch.org. Thank you. So how to witness without an argument? Now, I've used this method and still got an argument. But the idea is, if you're timid about sharing your faith because you just don't know, you're not going to do it right. Well, here's just a simple way to get on the field. And it really comes from a few passages in John. In chapter 6, 44, Jesus says, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. So if that's true, then the Father is going to be drawing people. Let's go see if we can find those people that he's already drawing. And then John 16, 8, Jesus says, And when he has come, he's talking about the Holy Spirit, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. So the Holy Spirit's got a big job in this to do. It says also in uh, the same conversation, John 15, 26, But when the Helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of the truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me, and you also will bear witness, because you have been with me from the beginning. 
So it says here in verse 26 that the Holy Spirit will testify. And then in verse 27, it says, we also will bear witness. The word testify and the word witness are actually the same Greek word. They could be translated testify or they can be translated witness. Same thing. I said it earlier. Maybe it was last week. You, a testimony has to have a witness and a witness has to have a testimony. So the Holy Spirit's going to witness and we're going to witness. The Holy Spirit's going to testify and we're going to testify. So if you had just asked some questions, it could lead people to Jesus if you're there to take them in. So it's really three questions. First one is, hey, we all have spiritual beliefs. What are yours? You can ask that in such a way that you're really curious and they'll answer most people because you're asking their opinion. They may go on and on and it may be some pretty crazy stuff that you know isn't even close to being true. To listen to them. It's their opinion. Let them share it. You're not uh, agreeing with their opinion, but you are showing that you care enough about that person to listen. Maybe their opinions don't matter to you, but they matter to you. So you're going to listen anyway and listen and listen well. And then the next question you can ask is, who is Jesus? What did he teach? And when you hear him talk about who Jesus was, they might have an opinion. And here's the thing about who Jesus is, is he said he was the son of God and he said he was the Messiah. So as Josh McDowell pointed out many years ago, he's either a liar or he's a lunatic or he's Lord. If Jesus said he was the son of God, if Jesus said he was the Messiah and he wasn't, then he was a liar. Some people are like, no, 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 he can't. I wouldn't say that. He thought he was. Okay, so he went around telling everybody he was the Son of God and he was the Messiah and make it a big deal and have all this following that he died. He must have been a lunatic. Well, he wasn't that. Well, he's got to be one of the two, those two things unless he is the Lord, unless he is who he said he was. So you don't have to get an argument about that, but he asked that question, at least gets him thinking, gets the Holy Spirit a chance to start doing his thing by asking that very important question. Boy, if we ask that question a lot in society, how would that change society? People thinking about, really, who is Jesus? And then the third and final question in how to share your faith without an argument is you could simply ask, if you were wrong, would you want to know? And I don't know what people are going to say. <laughs> I have no idea what people are going to say. They might say, oh, I don't want to hear anything from you. Or they might say, well, yeah, what do you think? Gives them a chance. The idea is God is drawing people to Jesus. The Father is drawing people to Jesus. The Holy Spirit is convicting people of sin, righteousness, and judgment. The Holy Spirit is testifying. He just wants us to testify as well. Let him lead you. So then what are you going to do? Well, it depends on the adventure. God wants to take you both on. Listen to Jesus and obey. Share your testimony. After you've listened to them for three questions, you should be able to at least share your testimony, even if it's only a minute or two. And of course, pray for them that... What they said, what questions you ask, would lead them to the kingdom. One more thing before we go. I want to focus on the best one question to ask in starting a conversation about Jesus. That's really what this is about. How do you get on the field? How do you get the conversation going? Because most of us love Jesus and know enough about what the gospel is that if we just got in a conversation, we could do some good. And J. Warner Wallace, who's kind of an expert in, in sharing the faith, he says the best one question to ask somebody to open up a conversation about Jesus is, what do you think happens when we die? That's a really good question to get started. It's a good question because, number one, it's diagnostic. Every worldview has an answer to that question. So if you ask that question and listen for an answer, 
you're kind of going to have a good idea where that person's coming from. They believe in reincarnation. That sort of lets you know where they're coming from. If they think, well, we're just a bunch of matter and we're just cease to be, you know, that kind of lets you know they're probably a secularist. The answer to that question is really diagnostic and, and can help you sort through the weeds to get down to the nitty gritty. So the question, what do you think happens when you die, is a good diagnostic question, but it's also a good disarming question because people feel they can discuss the afterlife easier than discussing God. And either topic will inevitably lead to the other. If you talk about who God is, you're going to probably end up talking about heaven or hell, some afterlife. If you talk about the afterlife, probably going to end up talking about who God is. But if you ask what happens when you die, A, you're showing interest in their opinion. And number two, you're not saying, who do you think God is? People don't like God looking over their shoulder. They don't want to be accountable to anybody. They don't want to think that there's somebody that's watching them and holding them accountable for when they stole or when they lied and when they cheated, all the stuff they shouldn't have done. They want to remove any guilt. They love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil, John 3 says. So if you talk about the afterlife, well, that gets them thinking. You know, do we just cease when we die? Are we just a bunch of uh, bones, muscles, organs, and blood? Or do we have a soul? Do we have a spirit? And the third way that that's a good question is it's directed. It's directed to set you up for the power of your testimony. Because what is good news more than being saved from eternal judgment that we deserve because of who Jesus is? That, hey, we earned death. We justly deserve eternal separation from God, lonely in fire, in hell. But God loved us so much that he sent his only begotten son to pay our debt, to, to make it right so that we, by his free gift, Accepting it by faith, we can have his righteousness and with it eternal life in heaven. Great directed question. So, I think the power of your testimony is what's going to help turn this country around. I believe we should vote. I believe we should engage in the political process. I believe we should campaign for godly men and women who are going to lead us in the right direction. I believe we should be involved in business. I think we should earn lots of money, save all we can, earn all we can, give all we can. I, I think we should boycott or at least avoid doing business with some of these corrupt companies. I think we should avoid doing business with entertainment industries that push their perverted agenda. I think we should do all these things. But the number one thing that we can do as we're active in the real world, as we're active in the culture war, I think it is so important that we share a testimony. There's got to be an opportunity if we just look for them. Hey, what are you doing this weekend? Well, like normal, I'm going to church. You know, I was uh, saved at an early age, and I've never regretted it. I might have had my doubts at times, but I came to Jesus at Bible camp when I was nine years old, and I never regretted it. I've regretted not putting him first, but I tell you what, I've never really regretted putting Jesus first. And so I make Sunday church a priority. There's got to be a bazillion ways to have a conversation. And that's really all I'm asking you to do. Pastors have said for too long, don't do it this way. Don't do it this way. I hope you don't do it that way and this way and that way. To where we don't know where which way to go. We don't know if we're supposed to step forward two steps or back two steps or to the left two steps or the right two steps or one step or three steps. And, and so many Christians want to share their faith, but they're so sure they're going to do it wrong. I'm saying just get on the out in the game, get some 
dirt on your uniform. Play ball. Has there ever been a time where we didn't want to share the gospel? No. We always want to share the gospel. But in this time and in this hour with so much at stake for the upcoming generations, we got to see a Jesus revolution in America. We got to see a Jesus revolution throughout the earth in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. Let people come to Jesus. Let people hear the gospel. I tell you what, if you're hearing your if you're sharing your testimony a lot, you're going to see a lot of people come to the Lord. And if you're sharing your testimony a lot, you're going to have a lot of resistance. A lot of people aren't going to like it. So what? This life is super short. Eternity is super, super duper, super duper duper, super long. How long is eternity? As long as you could possibly imagine and then multiply it. And it's still way longer than that. It's eternity. But man, I'm 52 years of old age and I'm like, this life has really gone by fast. My kids started high school this week, my babies. I, where did the time go? This life is so short. But we can make a difference in this life for the life to come. We can share our faith. And either way, we're going to be rewarded. But man, if we share our faith and people come to Jesus and we get to disciple them and teach them about what the gospel is and teach them the importance of having a personal relationship with him. Think of all the good that can come, man. Economics and family and all sorts of good stuff just because there's been an awakening to share a testimony. You've probably, like me, you've been praying for the third great awakening in America. And I think the awakening is going to come. And I think it's going to come when we awaken to share our testimony, the power of our testimony. It's never going to be the same way. It's never going to be this cookie cutter method that you do steps A, B, and C, and this is your outcome. It's, it's more real than that. It's more relational than that. And if you want to be a disciple of Christ, you're either going to have to share your testimony or you're going to have to say, I disobey you, Lord, which is kind of impossible because if you say, I disobey you, Lord, he's not really Lord. He's kind of your buddy. But if he's your Lord, then we will share our testimony. We will see a great awakening in our land. Well, the Bible and our culture is brought to you by Liberty Remnant Church. Liberty Remnant Church is a great uh, congregation of people that want to make a difference, who love God and love people. We call ourselves a simple, relational, and biblical local church. So it's... How are we going to live our lives? Well, we're going to try and do it biblically. We're going to try and do everything relationally. And we're going to try and keep it simple. And if we can do those things, uh, God's going to bless it. That's how he builds his church. If you're not attending somewhere and you're looking for a congregation, or should be, I invite you to come out, come and check out Liberty Remnant Church. We, um, you go to our website, libertyremnantchurch.org, to get information about uh, what's happening and, and how you can come and, and join us. Praise God. I hope you have a great fall. I hope you share your testimony more than you've ever shared it before. And I hope that you can understand it's, the, it's about the Bible as it relates to the culture, not how the culture relates to the Bible.